Hello, everyone. If Joe Biden is the president-elect, then this is the delve. Hello, everyone. We've been doing this thing where we are shuffling through our team and everyone gets to be a co-host with me for the week. This week, we have Jess from Sound. Jess, how's it going? Oh, it's going really well now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think like all of humanity can take like a collective exhale, you know, like we've just been like holding our breath and um, we have a new we have a new president. Yeah, no, it's finally over. Honestly, I really <laughs> felt the taking a breath myself. Um, I definitely yeah. was strapped to the, like the news stations and the TVs, listening to every second of the election. So it is nice to finally have a moment and it not be a bad moment. <laughs> right. And it's finally not a bad moment. And while I guess we have a new president, there's one person still not accepting these results the current president himself donald trump <laughs> right <laughs> yeah very very strange i guess he's not really used to being a loser or, or being fired but oh how the tables have turned here um so yeah this episode we're speaking with some really great folks Edda and arlene and they're mindfulness teachers and i guess like before we like go into the interview, let's talk a little bit about how you feel and I guess how I feel and how we've been kind of like handling this very stressful <laughs> situation. How, how, how did you manage to do it? How'd you get through it? Well, the week itself was really rough, honestly, and I really could have used the mindfulness myself. And actually, I already listened to the episode ahead and I actually found it really helpful <laughs> some of the things they mentioned i was like wow i sh wished i i did that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um it was very stressful i think as like americans were used to having like election day and by you know that evening or going late into the night we kind of know who the next president's going to be no this was election week yeah and it was an absolute roller coaster you know <laughs> tuesday <laughs> felt awful wednesday right also felt awful but then like thursday morning everything started feeling better and then there's like uh you know a hint of light coming through <laughs> at the end of the tunnel exactly um yeah and by saturday boom we were we were all right we had come out on the other side <laughs> i was with my sister when it hit and everyone texted us and i was like oh my god <laughs> what a reason to to celebrate <laughs> I headed back to Brooklyn because I, I live in Brooklyn and man, the streets like it erupted in cheers and it felt so good to just hear everyone just celebrate and feel good. It was really cool. Yeah, there's been celebrations across the country. It's kind of reminiscent of 2008 when President Obama first got elected and there was like these spontaneous celebrations all across the country. And um, we've we've gotten a bit of that. So, oh gosh, it just feels so good to be moving into an era. It feels very uniting. Okay, well, I guess without much further ado, um, 
let's have a listen to Ed and Arlene and all that good stuff. Sounds good. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Delphs. Today, we have two really amazing guests, and I'm so excited to have them on. We're going to go over the election and just talk about mindfulness and all that good stuff. So everyone, welcome, Etta and Arlene. How's it going? Hello. Guys? Hi, guys. <laughs> How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there. <laughs> as good as I can be. Right. During this trying time. Yeah. What trying time? What are you talking about? Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> uh, America is a uh, dumpster fire right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a bunch of old people who should know better. <laughs> fucking it up for everybody. <laughs> oh, God. Everybody's grown. It's it's collective. All the collective. <laughs> a group of adults nationally acting like children, and then you know that's where we're at right now. That's our reality. So. That's where we are. Yeah, that's where we are for the so, past several years. Right, right. We had this once in a four-year opportunity to turn the page and have a restart, and America said. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. like where we are what's yeah. up with that what happened okay I have my theories I think that I think with COVID we've been on the internet way too much and we've been consuming yeah. a lot of media and a lot of media that is directing our lines of thinking and confirming our already set belief systems so if you already had a bias one way or the other what you're consuming is being fed back to you and then we're getting all of these conspiracy theories and different schools of thinking that only have support of specific news outlets or media outlets, whether it be Facebook, whether Instagram, cable news networks at this point, and you're just getting more and more confirmation. And I think that that is what kept it going like I, I really did believe there was going to be a dramatic shift and there wasn't and I think it's because of where everybody's getting their information from and then instead of being open-minded and listening to other people you're just automatically going that's not true that's fake news right. x y and z once you start getting people riled up about something and having an emotional response, I think that it's really easy to play into those fears, into those worries, into those concerns, and start indoctrinating a whole body of people the way you want them to behave, in my opinion. And, and I think it's also crazy because we had like this whole idea that we would have this landslide win mm -hmm. by Biden. Like everyone was woke, get it to election day, and we would see like this blue wave. No, that blue wave mm -hmm. did not play out. Like, that where seeing these results that are so close it's, it's mind well, there are different definitions of woke these days mm, i'm not sure if you're familiar great. yeah with yeah that. exactly <laughs> yeah so it's like a person could say oh i'm woke because i know about QAnon and i know about yeah. all this is happening or no i'm woke because you know i recognize america's original sin and repercussions throughout generations so it's yeah you're right mm -hmm. there's like different versions of woke yeah. Yes. There's there's too many different variations of woke. There's too many different vibrational frequencies happening at the same time as well. Yeah. Let's well, go there. We can go there. We you can go, go there. Okay. Yeah, okay. Let's go to vibrations. Um, but what I was gonna say, because you like how it wasn't a landslide. It's not a landslide because the base that the current administration has cultivated is fueled off of hate and division. Mm. Hate is the absence of love. 
Okay. So how can you convince people to love their neighbor and to see the good in everybody if they don't see the good? They don't have that love existing in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. The more people are suffering, especially like now you have a lot of people who are really down and out, stressed out about money, their homes, all of this stuff. So you're just fueling those spans of hate, the blame game. It's easier to blame, say, people who don't look like you or people who don't have the same belief systems as you. And then we have an administration that's spanning, like you said, this lower frequencies, lower vibration of hate. And once you get to that point, it's almost like you can't see the forest for the trees, in my opinion. On the idea of hate, we have a very, I got to get mine type of energy culturally. So if you're already at this lower energy, you're not looking out for your neighbors. You're worried about yourself. I mean, voting for Trump might not affect you, but it's going to affect somebody else. But these people don't care. Some voters don't care blatantly. They just, well, it doesn't affect me, and this is what I want. Well, it's clearly evident. We're just getting over Halloween weekend right now, and all the numbers for coronavirus are skyrocketing everywhere. I think Ohio reported the other day that they have over 4,000 cases in one day. Right. Okay. So we're on the verge of another shutdown because people aren't taking accountability. It doesn't affect me. I don't care. Oh, yeah. But people do not understand how the smallest actions you take can have a massive ripple effect, have a massive effect on many. One decision can change the course of everything. Yeah. We just had election day. How did you get through it? <laughs> oh, goodness. What I did was I consciously chose to not play into the drama. I had already voted. I did my part. And I decided not to get on social media because I didn't want to hear the ups and downs, all of the arguing, the rants. I did not watch the news. I didn't look for updates because I knew that we weren't going to get any. Oh my (laughs) goodness. You went into it like, so, okay, it is what it is. I feel like that would make me like more stress because I'd be so curious. I was blissfully unaware, you know, like I did (laughs) other things, read a book or hung out with my fiance. You know, that's one of the things that um, my fiance says this all the time. He's like, you know, what if people got hobbies? Like what if (laughs) it's a a real thing? Like what if we didn't, subscribe to the constant news cycle what if we sat down and I don't know learned a language or read a book or hung out with our friends and talked about something that wasn't Trump or Biden or the coronavirus what if we just got out of that and I'm not even saying get off of the internet because you can curate your feeds you can consciously go in and I'm only going to look at this you don't have to look at the news 24 hours a day or get updates 24 hours of the day you could just get the information you need to be informed and then do something else with your time. It's much better for your mental health for me or for my mental health. Because yeah. no amount of anger or fear or frustration that you're experiencing is going to fix what's happening right now. Yeah. You have to do yeah. your civic duties, you know, do what you should as a citizen, vote and do what you can on your level. But you sitting in your home crying about the possible fate of the country and the world does not fix it. No. So all you're doing is giving your energy and feeding this horrible mongering thing that we're in right now. So I feel like next election, I really want to try that. I folded. I was going to take her lead. I was like, yeah. hell yeah. I'm going to just tune out, <laughs> not do any of this stuff. But then as soon as you're like, well, I wonder what the update is. Yeah. I checked and checked and checked until 5 a.m. Yeah. Okay? 5 a.m. Yeah. We're into a bunch of stuff. We are into mindfulness and 
all types of other modalities and stuff. So I would put on the live feed for like five minutes and then I would flip to Hertz music. And I would just like land meditation. I don't know. It's out of my hands. I don't know what's happening with the hellbound people, the soulless people (laughs) voted for Trump. But I'm a good person and hopefully my energy can radiate out and have a positive impact on many. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So... How did you find yourself able to grasp that mindfulness of not wanting to let you plugged in 24-7? What gave you the willpower to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to unplug? Last election in 2016, I didn't do that. That was another baby. And I was miserable. I cried. You know, how do you move from Obama to yeah. Trump? And like affect me on an emotional level. So I was, I don't want to repeat that this time around. But um, also, we call it blackout mode on our podcast. It's whenever you just literally black out. You don't subscribe to anything that's going to make you feel like crap. Because you have a choice in what you give your energy to as people. And you have a choice in the media that you are engaging in. I started doing that at the start of COVID in particular. I've done it forever. We both have. But I really started putting effort in during the outbreak of COVID because it felt like it was a constant updates of the people who were dying, the people who were sick, then the fear, oh my goodness, am I going to get sick? To the point where if I had like a sniffle, I'm freaking out. You can't live like that. So I went on blackout mode then. Magically, I felt fine. Like she said, we're both Reiki masters. We're both really into mindfulness, a lot of different modalities that we are into and practice. So my technique was to work on, okay, my root chakra is obviously a wreck during that time period. There's no grounding. I'm going off in my head. What started it, you know, kick that on whenever I need it throughout this whole pandemic. And I knew that that was going to be a reality for election night, because then you start spiraling. Like you were saying, as soon as you look at it, you start thinking of all the worst things that could happen. Yeah. And where the attention goes, energy flows. So if Uh, you are thinking that it's doom and gloom, you're one of millions of people thinking the same exact thing. So then we're collectively manifesting that result. Yeah, I was going to ask, does that help the situation or does it hurt the situation? All of us being sad and scared is not helping. Right. What helps is you cultivating your vibration and your reality, which is what you are existing in right now. Living in the moment, not worrying about the past, not worried about the future, but staying present. Right. And what's real is what's happening right now. What's real is you listening to this podcast. What's real is your existence, your friends, your family. We're so farly separated from the ruling class and these other fit people that we're told to trust in and believe in praise, whether that be celebrities yeah. or political figures. We're waiting for somebody to save us, but we have to save ourselves. Yeah. Mm. And you start that by being nice to people, caring about humanity, caring about the well-being of your fellow man, mm-hmm. caring about the rights people should have. Because if you, stuff that's happening right now that people are blindly accepting should never happen, okay? History is repeating itself because people are not learning. They're not changing their hearts. They're not learning from all the atrocities that have occurred. I really like the thing you said about caring about rights that other people should have. I feel a lot of folks probably who voted for Trump, maybe they pinched their nose and pulled the lever, you know, or or touchscreen during whatever and they were thinking about themselves 
and not necessarily thinking, oh yeah, this might hurt my neighbor or this might affect their rights. This might empower police brutality or this might take away from immigrants' rights or it might really affect people of color. They were thinking, I can't put my head in like a Trump voter. I can't wrap my head around it. But why don't people more often think about their neighbor's rights? Oh, I think that's layered. To Mm. be honest, how you were raised. There's some people who don't believe certain populations deserve rights. Wow. Period. Yeah. To this day, 2020. Yes, to this day. And who want to see suffering. I mean, they can turn a blind eye to what's going on at the border because they don't think those people should be here anyways. I don't know where that stands. This is native land. (laughs) That's something I can't wrap my head around ever not wanting certain people to be here whenever we are occupying, in my opinion, Uh, stolen land. (laughs) And the people that they don't, people, these racist people do not want African-American people here. Well, your ancestors brought them here. Right. Telling people to go home. They don't have a home. Their heritage is completely gone. Right. There's no way to track their lineage. We're multiracial women sitting right here. Okay. We're lucky enough to know the name of our great, 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 great grandmother who was brought here as a slave. Okay. So how many millions of African-American people have no clue who their ancestors were? But then you ask Tommy down the street, he's from Ireland. He can track it all the way back to who knows what king. But we don't have that luxury, okay? We are Native, we're African-American, and we are Caucasian. It's at the height of ignorance to tell someone to go back (laughs) to someplace, go back where you came from. Yeah. I mean, but I think there's a lot of wounds that this country has to heal in general. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of shadows we haven't faced as a nation that play out. I don't think we've reconciled our nation's past. We kind of like glaze over it. I mean, when we talk about that, I'm referring to us not being taught what happened to natives in school. Clearly, like what happened to the native people that were here prior. Mm. And that we don't talk about, um, you know, obviously slavery, like we should, we don't talk about African-American history. It's like a separate elective in a lot of schools. Yeah. So then that creates discord. We don't talk like basically, basically like any minority group has been kind of left out of the history when we learn it in school. So then it create it starts to create this layer. Like we're like, well, what's real? What's not real? Did this really happen? Like, I have no idea. And then that's like a vacuum. We can like fill that with whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you have that that plays into it. Then there's also conditioning from the media, like we've talked about before, and I keep bringing it up because it is really important. Until something is brought into our awareness of how to deal with, because the internet, all of this is like new. This is our first time encountering, being able to be manipulated in masses through these apps that are designed to make you addicted to them, that are designed to keep you on them keep your attention, being sold products, it's influencing political campaigns, it's the whole plethora. So you have that that plays into it. And then I think fear we have started out talking about is huge. Because if you're fearful that something is going to go away for you, you want to preserve that. And if that means that you have to take it from somebody else, then you don't care because you're like, well, well, it's mine, like my life's on the line for some reason. 
I think collectively we've been conditioned to worry about ourselves more than others. And it's easier to turn a blind eye if you're not being affected by it. So that's something that we have to rake as a collective to start coming from a place that isn't just centered around the individual. I remember whenever I was in college, we were at the seminar and the guy said to all of us, he was, look at your friend sitting next to you. They're going to be your competitor. And I thought that was so strange because what if we believed that we did live in an abundant universe, that there was enough for everybody, that everybody could have their share. Okay, if I can have health care, why can't somebody else have health care? If I can have go on a vacation, why can't somebody else go on a vacation if they're working hard for that? You know, right. we're already ingrained that you have to get yours. You're the only one that matters. The thought process behind that is, well, if I make sure I'm good and I'm taken care of, and I don't care about what happens to other people, well, they're going to think about themselves. So they'll be taken care of because they're thinking about themselves. Right. So the idea is that if we're all selfish, we're all going to make sure we have what we need. But what ends up happening is you have people who hoard, who don't care about suffering. If somebody falls down, they don't want to pick them up because they might get to the finish line first, have this rat race. But what if we shifted our thinking, like nothing's going to hurt me if I help somebody else. My rights aren't going to get taken away if I help preserve somebody else's rights. Yeah. And for some reason, it seems like there's a segment of the population, or we're all probably guilty of it, of thinking that by doing something for somebody else, it's going to harm us or it's going to put us out in some way, which isn't the case at all, in my opinion. I think a lot of people have had that yeah. um, at some point in their lives have operated from that paradigm or whatever yeah. you call it because of the program that we've had, because of the schooling, because of when you go to college, yeah. your friends are competitor now. It's, I don't know, these beliefs that they projected onto us and then we have to fall in line with the structure that they put in place and do what they tell you to do or else. So you have people who, like us, who don't subscribe to that stuff. We want to be happy, want to be free, and want to live authentic life. So you have that frequency operating. So there's a lot of people who are operating like that. They deem them the millennials. Millennials did that because most people who graduated from college during the last recession were unable to get jobs. Unable to get jobs. And if they did get jobs, they were only making minimum. Mm -hmm. So you're coming out of school with $100,000 worth of debt and you're going into a office job making $12 an hour when you were sold the entire time you were in college, you were going to make incomes of 100K, 200K, and then that reality didn't occur. So you just try to figure it out because there's no savior. We save ourselves. Yeah. When it comes down to it. The get mine culture. I said, we have all these different vibrations that are operating at the same time. We have different realities happening. You have people who subscribe to the, I work hard. You have to work really hard to get what you want in life. And that's why I deserve to buy $40 million worth of Birkin bags and just sit them in a closet somewhere mm. and just drive my Lamborghini past the homeless people yeah, down the street. So there's people who are completely cool with that operating. And you have people who are like, I don't understand, you know, quote unquote, light workers or people who just, I want to have a better world. I don't understand how you can just do that. Why are people buying these expensive purses and designer clothes and blah 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 during a global pandemic where people don't have enough money to pay for their houses and feed their families so how do you justify those actions how i don't know it, it it's funny because i was watching this video it was like an interview of these two ladies they were voting for the president and the correspondent was asking what's wrong with biden 
And the first go-to was he wants to give everyone free healthcare mm-hmm. and he wants to give everyone free college. What? We can't do that. When the world will we be doing that? What is so bad about giving everyone free education? I don't know. I really don't Our know. society has evolved past the point of all these pay gaps or whatever, these roadblocks, these paywalls and road gaps. Everybody should have affordable everything. Having healthcare is our right. We should have free healthcare. Women shouldn't have to pay for for feminine products when it's something that we need every month. And there's huge majority of the population in the world in India and so on and so forth that don't have access to have feminine products. That's one of the issues. (laughs) I sometimes think about back in more primitive time or in tribes and if someone got hurt i'm sure that whole community would come to help and support that person but just to make sure like bob from this part of our tribe got hurt we have to go and make sure he's okay and bring him back up to speed but we're not like that today anymore no, we're not no he's gonna be all right hope he has insurance <laughs> what what how do we get so far away from caring for our neighbor it's really bizarre too because a lot of the so we have these huge religious organizations thousands of people subscribe to you billions you would think that there would be more (laughs) millions more people people. yeah 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 but you know i mean like that's what is mind-boggling you would think there would be more people who would want to do that especially people who believe that they are very religious and very spiritual Right. And it seems it has become this, I would say it's a newer, think of how old the earth is. Think of how old everything is. Yeah. Societies would function as a group prior to what we call modern. Like this is all to me, like a more modern phenomenon <laughs> that we're so selfish. Things that are, I think are like a modern phenomenon are how we perceive gender, how we perceive sexuality, how we perceive like people around us. We can learn a lot from say indigenous cultures and what happened pre colonialization and how those societies were shifted and changed or, or what know? about even like the settlers yeah the first got here I'm oh sure. he doesn't have insurance we can't help him out when did this like, shift to monetized mm-hmm. and caring for someone else monetarily detrimental to you i'm sure when the colonists first got here whether it's the folks who land at plymouth yeah. or the folks at jamestown they had to care for each other because it's a community I can't imagine like even during the 13 colonies that a hospital would like, send someone away. How do we get to this point where we're so worried about like Well, I, on, on that note, I would say that those pockets probably only cared about their pocket though. Mm. The settlers probably only cared about that, them. They weren't caring about the other groups. Eventually, we evolved to these people bringing slaves over here. (laughs) So they clearly didn't care about what wasn't deemed good enough in their eyes. So I think perhaps that energy has carried forward. So what happened? But what about this? Mm -hmm. Slave owners and like their communities, probably very tight knit communities, like slave owners traded slaves within themselves, their own community. I'm sure when someone got hurt, oh, we have to go help them. They're our neighbor. When the owner or the slave? No, the owner, the owner. Okay, I was going to say, they 
I'm saying like, like the slave owners probably had a tight-knit community where they cared about themselves. I agree with you that they you cared about your community, but you cared about your community. Your community. But yeah. now no one cares about any community. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't care about any community, but there's still loyalty within your own group. And I feel way, like that loyalty has, has a threshold. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, oh my goodness, we care about this, blah, blah. But well, they got hurt. Can you cover their medical bills? Yeah. And, you know, it's like, oof, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, you I say, ask. that's the thing. I think that's what we're starting to wake up to. We call it the revolution. It starts from you caring. Like, that's what mm-hmm. a real revolution looks like, is shifting away from those things that have been ingrained in us from childhood that you are the only one who can take care of yourself. She said you have to look from within. You have to get yourself right. And then it goes outward. That's different than I got to get mine. Healing yourself and getting yourself in a good place where you need to be in life is something different than there's not enough for me. I have to get mine. I have to take from my neighbor. I'm going to step on my friends to get to where I need to be. Like those are two different yeah. types of energies. So what if you were able to find your own path, your own way, and then also bring, lift people up with you as you're going through life? What if you were able to help out your friends if they can't afford to pay their medical bill? Really, I don't know why we treat helping other people like it's as if it were- burden. Yes, like it's going to hurt you in some yeah. way. Like when we talk about like universal healthcare and stuff like that, like working in other countries. So when Americans say it, it's not like there isn't an example. Right. There are a lot of examples of how free education and free healthcare do help the society and the citizens. And having, you know, the education thing is mind blowing because wouldn't you want to have an educated population? Yeah. Wouldn't you want to have the best? Well, you know, an educated population is part of your control. It's not even only like politicians against like it's like the general Republican populace, which is like, no, we don't want to pay for their education. That's that's a burden on it's going to raise our taxes. That's going to cost us to like help our neighbor become a little bit more educated, which is really bizarre. It is. Well, do you think um, that it also probably varies? on a person's personal motives, like deep down. And what I mean is like, for example, if you, I okay, there's this like book called Wealth Hoarders and it's like the idea that the 20%, so we always talk about the 1%, but there's like this 20% and then they all kind of stay in their communities and then their mm-hmm. kids all go to like these really good colleges and they kind of like, it's like hoard that wealth as well. And it's like, well, what if there is like a fear that if there's more people in the pool, it's going to add more competition for the, their success. Oh, um, oh. yeah. Okay. Or just yeah. like, uh, when we talk about like race, if you have, uh, you have like a white guy, you know, who's been the dominant forever, even like not intentionally like maybe there is this like fear that all of a sudden there's going to be more it's not going to be as easy there's going to be more competition for the job if you give the population more skill sets it makes it tougher for all of us so by like holding back these things it like benefits you but like that's also very short-sighted you know because it's like yeah it benefits you now 
But like, what if you have a child or maybe they do have children and they can't afford to send them to school? So it's like you kind of shot yourself in the foot because you don't want to help out your entire community. And yeah. Well, do you think maybe that's like we're starting to slowly see those repercussions now, like with the amount of people with student loan debt or. I, I don't um, know if we're there yet. I, I I also don't know like where like I think it'd be really interesting to see student debt like like situated across the country, like which regions has the most student debt. So maybe it's like a northeast or like a coastal phenomenon. So like. And, you know, the middle America might be like, well, you know, our kids come out of school with 10000 in debt. So why should we, you know, forgive student debt for everyone when ours is manageable? I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, I, hey, I think it all goes back to, like, the lower frequency. I think it goes back to fear. You know, at the end of the day, it's just everybody's fearful that they're not going to have enough, that they're not going to be able to get to where they need to be. They're not going to be able to get their needs met. I mean, whenever you say, let's have universal health care, well, who's going to pay for it? Yeah. There's that instant fear that, well, I'll have to pay for it. And I already don't have enough to pay yeah. for it. You know, it goes back to like not believing that there's enough for everybody and that there is no harm in helping other people at the base level. Like, you know, even though people say that, oh, I would never do anything wrong. I would never hurt any anybody. Like our little actions have repercussions as a whole. It, down to even the smallest, like just being nice to like a person working at a grocery store or like, you know, little things like that. It like builds up and things we often think that a lot of what we do doesn't matter and doesn't have like an impact at all. And I think it does. And I think that it, it we're just seeing like this layer of it. It just keeps go building, building, building. I'm about to hit you with a heavy question and I want both of you to attempt to answer this. <laughs> what can a national politician do to help raise the frequency or the vibration of the nation? What could Joe Biden and Kamala do to like help us get out of this like rut? I think that they could not play into a divide, you know, truly mean it to not play into. We've kind of seen a little bit of that from we have, yeah. Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then to somehow make people feel like there's hope, that there's security, that like that they're heard, that they're heard. Yes, that they matter, that they're not. I mean, I think that there is definitely an energy that we don't have control. We have no control over our lives and no control over who's making money. There are people who made money off of this pandemic. That makes you feel like you have no control because you're great. Like, I have to rely on this corporation. I mean, to me, I think they would have to, a politician would have to take large steps to really heal the populace. And there's going to be steps that I don't think politicians are going to take. Okay, here's an example. Why are corporations involved in our pol- political system? Lobbying. Why are religions involved in our, yeah, we know why, but it's yeah, like yeah. the having religion, religion shouldn't be involved in our political choices at all. Like, you know, we could very well. It's literally the whole name of the game for uh, Republicans. <laughs> it is, it is. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, until, like, we look at people as everybody's the same. Everybody deserves, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it actually, like, mean it and not just be talk. I think that that would change everything. I don't know if it would ever happen. I think, like, it would be small steps. Like, of course, like, you want to restore faith in 
the the collective you know, of Americans and you want to make sure everybody feels secure, you know, make sure that everybody feels that they have rights. You, we have a lot of people who believe that their rights are going to be taken away right now, especially with the, what's going on with the Supreme Court. So it's like how you'd have to ensure that everybody feels like you were saying before being heard, that their rights aren't going to be taken away, that there's some sense of stability. Now everybody wants some sense of normally, like a clear path. I feel like we could get to a sense of stability relatively quickly. Another thing that when you're just you're speaking of Native Americans, we have like nations in our nation. And they were here long before us. And I feel like they literally have zero input <laughs> into like our national, you know, kind of like destiny. I mean, one could argue that a majority of us don't have any oh, input, yeah. you know, yeah. let's just Great be story. real on that. We're looking at it right now. What's happening right now with this, with just the way the voting's going. You should be able to send your vote in and trust that's going to be counted and not not be dismissed or thrown away because somebody decided that they they won. Yeah. You know, we've there had enough be, voting. I, I, I personally don't to, believe in the electoral college. I mean, it should be popular. Well, I think what Kamala and Biden can do. Yeah. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can do right now would be because so many issues that need fix. There's so many of these structures that need to be fixed, but right now they could start with, would be giving people a plan, a financial plan, because just there's so many people who are unemployed right now. So many people are hurting to try to figure out how they're gonna pay their bills or racking up credit card debt. Like tell us, okay, well, you're gonna get a stimulus check every month, every citizen. Tell people that they're gonna have some sort of, like money is, money controls the world. So if you tell people that they're gonna have something coming in and actually follow through with it and stop using us as political pawns in this game that would be a great place to start fantastic place to start but that's what i'm predicting is going to happen in the new year i think that they've been purposely holding off on both sides to help get the election on either way because it's just uh, look at the other countries have given their people Yeah, like canada two thousand a month they give them financial incentive to stay home, but if, if people would stay home and not feel like they had to go risk their lives for their jobs, if they knew they had something to fall back on. But I think collectively, people feel like there is no hope, there is no savior, mm-hmm. there isn't there isn't that security. But that's somewhere they could start. Yeah. Like tell people you're gonna get a stimulus check. Don't give us one and then have it not happen again for how many months have we been in this situation? Yeah, you gave, they gave us, you know what a thousand two hundred dollars months ago and they acted like it was a a stretch you know what i mean like there's this energy like oh gosh i can't at the same time you're telling people not to go to work not to go try to make a living so of course there's going to be no trust in the government no faith because like how can how can you do those things like how can you say those things and do those things for a population that you're supposed to care about we forget that there are like we are hiring them like there are (laughs) public servants not the other way around and i think that like if somehow they could like restore that like you said i guess immediate would be to have consistency to actually put in effort like we do care about what like you guys hired us so we're going to do our job 
not the other like go you know go on break constantly as if the suffering wasn't happening um yeah like it it feels like the ruling class is so far away from the real people Mm -hmm. so they need to to make it seem like they're actually doing their job not going on these leaves and these vacations not not saying biden or kamala are doing this but as a majority of the, the government systems are right are happening right now um we're in a global pandemic and they've gone on these breaks like every week every two weeks like a crisis isn't you know, happening, a crisis yeah. isn't happening like we want to see our people working around the clock to try to fix this give us tangible plans of what can fix this yeah not perpetually a divide within the people which you see some politicians doing like Somebody got elected recently who you were saying was a QAnon supporter. I agree with like, we are in a global crisis. Why are the politicians not sitting down and focusing on what the fuck they're going to do <laughs> to help everybody? Instead, we're all crossing our fingers yeah. that an election will go a certain way. And it's like, it's really mind boggling. And it's like, do we just have a huge group of people who are completely unqualified for their jobs and somehow bamboozled us all into like yeah. hating the country? We hire these people to to work on our behalf. <laughs> they don't do anything. They don't do anything. They argue on our behalf. They argue and use our lives and our existence for their gain. That's something that needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, term limits. We shouldn't have our basic human rights, our rights with our bodies, and who we can love on the table every single four years it shouldn't be a thing okay our society has evolved way past the point of trying to keep these i'm referring to the supreme court i'm referring to you know roe versus wade i'm referring to just the right to exist as you are should not be up for grabs every couple years it should just be this is it we shouldn't have to worry so why do they keep using this as a tool to try to get win elections or so on and so forth kind of what you're speaking to when there's an opening on the supreme court when they're like you know interviewing and going through this hearing process with a new justice they're bringing up things that you would think is settled (laughs) like why are we talking about roe versus wade it's done like why are we trying to constantly strip rights away from people there should be term limits for the supreme court too because they're rule. you know it gets to the point where they're so old or are they connected with the people who are going to have to face the repercussions of their choices for generations, you know, for years. Yeah, there sh- you shouldn't have somebody who's pushing a hundred making these decisions. You know, any other like any other job, if you had an eighty-nine-year-old roll in trying to like, <laughs> you know, swing weight, they would be like, "Okay, sit down. You have dementia. It's fine." Yeah. You know, they wouldn't like allow them to be making these life-changing, ex- you know, decisions. Yeah. And it's not, and that's not even isolated to the Supreme Court, you know. It's, it's also like, like the Senate. The Senate, it's, it's the like the House. Like there, yeah. there needs to be like at least more age diversity because I believe that we should have, we need older people because they are experienced, you know, they have this yeah. knowledge that young people don't have. But it can't. It's just like if we had a whole bunch of like twenty-five-year-olds making the decisions for everything, God it would be kind of weird, you know. Yeah. It would be kind of weird. So, <laughs> but if we could have like a nice blend of different age groups to contribute it would be a lot better versus everybody's because at this point like some of these people are probably like that crazy uncle that you tell to be quiet at that dinner. is that is the current <laughs> president that is the current president i feel like the people who like you know folks go through primaries and then you know that person gets elected 
the voters aren't doing their due diligence. They're not because they feel we have a portion of the population that doesn't feel like their vote is counted. Yeah. They don't think it matters. But like QAnon lady ran in the Republican primary against other folks. They chose her. That That's what I, I don't understand. Like right now there is information like you're holding a phone that yeah. has so much information, so much knowledge. You're an adult who has, you know, hopefully graduated, you know, or can think freely, work a job, raise yeah. children. Why aren't we like researching? Why aren't we like, why are we limiting it to one source that's like a random blog? Like, why yeah. aren't we, we have so much information. It's not like we have information, like there's suppression of information and you have no access to it. Like there's just a vast array of everything. Everything's accessible. You can get books on your phone. You can get, you know, you don't want to look yeah. at the news. You can read a newspaper on your phone. Like you don't want to do, you know, YouTube or whatever it is, whatever you're doing, there's all these different resources. So I don't understand why we aren't doing more research, why we aren't at least like branching out and figuring things out. Like, why is it all dependent on like some small thing? Like if you ask somebody what their source is, are they able to tell you why they believe X, Y, and Z? Where do they get it from? What do they read? What, you know, why they formulate their opinion? It's like a constant, like, oh, I got it off this blogger. Oh, I saw a Twitter. Somebody tweeted this. Like, yeah. I saw this random thing on YouTube. Yes, yes. I So it's like weird to me because it's not like there is a suppression of information because there's so much information out there. Right. So I don't understand why. It's even, even like, you know, I keep bringing up like COVID, like, you, why do we need a government to tell us to wear a mask whenever there's data that proves that it's working in other countries? Like there's proof and back to us all being grown and able to make decisions and formulate like our own opinions. Like, why can't you just wear the mask whenever there's actual, you know, research? Well, because people have like medical issues and they can't breathe and it's really difficult for them. And they they can't do it. And they have a right to freedom. I just don't I think get it. people I don't. don't want to acknowledge that there's more than just their town. Mm-hmm. They don't want to acknowledge yeah. that there's a vast yeah. world around them. And if they actually um, acknowledge that, it would just break up their framework a little bit. There's a lot happening in the world, and America has the best marketing and advertising. Yeah. Period. You know, yeah, which is scary for better. And it, it is scary. So but... you're saying if they were to actually like branch out it will affect their worldview and their belief systems. And that's why they don't want to do it. Well, I, maybe they don't even realize that it would affect. They're just like, no, this is what I know. This is like what I'm safe with, comfortable here. I think it's been a huge part of the problem for this whole COVID situation is that people's identities were formed around their jobs and committing their time to their work or their schooling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have an identity outside of that. I want us to go back into mindfulness in this last bit. And I want you to tell me a little bit of like something that people can do to kind of like chill out because there's a lot going on. Find joy, <laughs> find joy present in the moment. I love that. That's yeah. it, it's fine. Get your grounding and, and really evaluate what really matters to you. When you sit down, sit, sit in that space and think about that. Like what really matters is, the way I'm feeling right now um, about external circumstances helping my current situation yeah. is 
me exerting my energy and fear helping? How's that helping right now? So to just get grounded, disconnect and stay informed, but disconnect for a while and get your grounding. Watch something funny, play the video game, read the book, get a new hobby and be more productive with your time. Yeah, definitely. I would say it's definitely grounding because right now everybody's feeling not as connected to like where they're at in the present, where they're at, where they're going. You know, it's, it's just this constant, everything's falling apart or X, Y, and Z, all the arguing, all the, you know, all this just fear, everything. But if you take a moment and step back and ground your energy and figure out like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening in my world. Everything's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And like you said, stay in the present because most of our anxiety is coming from like us worrying about what already happened or worrying what about what could happen. Right. So if you go within and you figure out what can I do in my capacity right now for myself, maybe how can I help other people? And then I would 100% disconnect because are your opinions and your belief systems being formulated by a news anchor or are they your own that you hold? Are you giving your energy away to some jerk on Facebook or <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to, like, you don't have to do that. Like you can consciously decide the information you take in and what you allow into your, your realm of existence, what media that you're consuming, you can tailor your experience here to benefit you so that you're not falling apart. And that doesn't mean that you should stay uninformed. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be open to other people and like the worldview. It just means like to cut through you know, just cut through the BS, like cut through everything that is affecting you at your like, basically like soul level in my opinion, like what is making you feel like horrible about yourself and get rid of it. Um, Cause you have that power. And if you just take a moment and go within and figure that out, you'll be like, Oh yeah, I do. I do have that. Just try it for a couple of days um, and see how significantly different your life's going to improve. Mm-hmm. It is easy to feed into all this stuff and then you know it's easy for us to tell you just turn off your phone yeah don't get on the internet like it's easy but um just try it give it a go Mm -hmm. and one of the things like i do take out like there are positives to this year that has happened there's positives Mm -hmm. that are occurring yeah let's talk a little bit about the positives of this year okay so i think that if you can dig out the positives um one is that it's it shows how interconnected we all are. So we were discussing about how we're very individual, how we're really like, I have to get mine. I'm the only one that matters. But right now we are all depending on each other to help each other out, like wear your mask. Like it's showing how like just, and it's a not even just America, it's like a global scale of how this one virus has completely yeah. affected the whole, the way the entire world operates. So hopefully like, what people take from that is that your actions matter, what you do matters, because yeah. if, you know, just small things like wearing one person wearing a mask could prevent a whole bunch of people from getting sick. So I think that's one of the big things that it shows that we can unite. <laughs> you know, we can we should and unite. We should. It yeah. shows that though. It's a reflection, a physical reflection in this reality of that. And then I think that it's also made people reevaluate what matters and what you know what they really want to do i think i mean at least with our platform and our following we're seeing a lot of people who are doing career changes who are Mm. figuring out like oh this isn't for me 
And it's really making people take a step back, especially when we had the quarantine, it was making people stop for a minute to realize like what they want. And I'm wondering if a lot of people have made life-changing decisions this year that are going to reroute their entire lives for the better without Mm -hmm. even realizing it through whatever suffering is happening, you know? It has allowed the slowing down to have the time to think about. Yeah, the slowdown. To slow down and remove those distractions that you actually have time to sit in that energy and understand like what do I really want and I think it's also helped us me like value connections with other people oh yeah in normal life pre-2020 like everybody's so busy getting from point A to point B that they don't acknowledge the in-between they don't take us take a moment to appreciate the people that you know or knew Mm -hmm. so that's been something that's been a blessing is having a lot of people you know, making new connections and having other people that from the past that coming back and reconnecting and like being a person again, like being a normal person again and taking the time out to actually develop new relationships with people mm-hmm. with the time to. Yeah. I think it's going to make us value like contact as well. Like we took a lot of things for granted, you know, just giving somebody a hug or shaking a hand, you know, when you meet somebody, like, I think after this, we're going to realize how special those things are, like how special it is to sit down and like, you know, maybe have dinner with somebody and actually like enjoy their presence without fear that you're going to get sick. I think it, I think it quickly made us all realize that humans are very tactile. We're very touchy. We, you know, whether it's a hug, whether it's holding the door for someone, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, we touch, we need connection. And I, I think it's going to help people stop pushing off things for tomorrow. Like, just yeah. do it now. Don't wait to go to the concert. Do it. Yeah. I still push things off for tomorrow, but. <laughs> no, well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> just, like in general, like, we, I'm talking about my experience. Like, yeah. I would say, oh, I'll see that band next year or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll. Go to that, mm. that go to that club next month. And then that yeah. option wasn't available, and then you yeah. miss it. You're like, oh, I wish I could have. I yeah. wish I would have went to the bar every night for two months <laughs> before COVID hit. Yeah, or went to like you know to see our parents more, or you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, see so yeah. your family. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The holidays are going to be really interesting, you know, coming upon that. So. Or just being able to be in a crowd and not not be scared. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the way we interact with people in general is going to be a little tricky after this is all over. But um, I think it's just going to be like people are going to might start being nicer. We're not a very nice person. Yeah. I hope, but I think it's going to bring more love out of people and bring that you know cultivate that culture of caring about your neighbor mm-hmm. and caring about the the well being of a stranger. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like a really nice place to end because if we have like a lot of like love and like goodness coming from the top down, maybe that will help, you know, just all of us. Because over the last four years, we've had a lot of hate and division and anger and just clownery coming from the top down. So if we kind of remove those qualities and replace them with kindness and love and gentleness and peace and calm, I think that'll do our our entire country some good 